Welcome to The Grit. As always, I'm your host, Bridget Murphy. We talk about gritty behavior. We talk about working through adversity on this podcast. And I have a special guest today. All my guests are special, but this one is super special. It's Cheyenne D'Arcangelo, one of my finest players uh, that played for us over in China with KRS. I really enjoy her as a human. She really gets it. Uh, she's played most recently with the Toronto Furies. Um, she's also played as a U.S. national team member. She's uh, won a gold in 2016 at the World Championships. She also has two Four Nation Cups wins to her belt buckle, her her whatever they are, those notches on her belt. And uh, she also has uh, her own company, apparently Cheyenne, called P- Plant Based Performance fancy pants. Welcome to the show, Shy. Thanks for having me, Digit. Super excited to be here with you. Yeah. You're you're a rock star. You know, I mean, uh, for those of you who don't know Shy, uh, she stands about, what are you, about 5'11"? No, maybe a few inches shorter. Well, well, she seems 5'11 to me. When she's on skates, like she's really tall and she's just this this massive human to me that is just powerful and strong and she epitomizes uh strength and leadership as a as a woman. I'm telling you, Shy, like you're you're perfect. Thanks, Didge. I appreciate it. You're kind of laughing at me. You're like, yeah, you you had to mention I was five eleven, right? It's yeah, funny. exactly. When you're, you know, when you're a woman, let's let's get right into that. Let's talk about that. Like why is it for guys like you're like, oh my God, they're like massive, you know, it's it's so great. And when you're a woman, like I was I was five six. I'm like, why can't I be five eleven? You know, I was always like on the opposite side. Oh yeah. I feel like whenever you're tall, you want to be short, and when you're shorter, you want to be taller. Yeah. It's usually how it works out, I feel like. Yeah, but like you're like in great shape and uh let's let's go to the let's go to the plant base first because you know that's near and dear to my heart and we'll work a little backwards um it depends whenever i interview people i'm like sometimes i go forward backwards sometimes backwards and forwards it keeps people guessing but you know this whole plant-based vegan thing like talk about that are you are you vegan or are you just plant-based yeah uh plant-based i would like to say i mean vegan but i try not i, I like to use the word plant-based instead for whatever reason i feel like it's less like vegan I feel like people look at it a particular way so I feel like plant-based sounds better and yeah I've been plant-based um since oh geez seven years now I think since my freshman year of college I decided to switch and I've slowly cut out more and more um throughout my like playing career and as I've learned more about it yeah talk a little bit about um being an athlete and being plant-based because a lot of people get all nervous they're like you know you can't have protein you know I and I, I you know me because you and I were eating on the same uh kind of regimen and schedule in China right because there were only a couple of us that were plant-based so talk a little bit about the protein and making sure that you get your protein as a plant-based athlete yeah um I think like when I started coaches and teammates were a little skeptical or would make comments on like my pregame meals and what I was ordering and if I was getting enough protein. But nowadays I feel like it's not even an issue because there are so many athletes who are transitioning over and people realize that you do get proteins from vegetables and like grains and things that are already in your diet and you don't need to add all this protein that we're all hyped up about. I feel like, um, and even being in China, like us, eating a plant-based 
meal, I think, influenced other people there. Like I know a few other athletes now who have transitioned and are plant-based because of going over to China, which is kind of funny and just like learning more about it and they felt better or whatever the case was. So they decided to put it out and try it and have stuck with yeah, it so, since. Yeah, so I mean, because cool. I remember, I think it was only me and you over there. I, I don't think Zoe was plant-based yet, but um, or if she still is. but Or Rachel maybe a little bit. No, she always ate meat. But, you know, I think... Rachel is now, though, which is I know, cool. that's so funny because she she transitioned over and over. But, you know, for, for our listeners, um, when we were there, um, I I had always been vegan-ish, I would call myself. So I didn't do the plant-based. I didn't have that nomenclature or anything. I was vegan-ish. I was always say I'm two for three plant-based meals a day and I would hold it open to have cheese or meat. But um, people would just kind of look at us, but I, I didn't really want to eat the meat or some of the other stuff in China. So I went almost all plant-based and shy, you as well. And to have all those other athletes kind of watching us. And, and, and I think when you don't have as much meat in your diet or cheese, you just feel more light. I don't know how to describe it. Would you describe it like that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, it's been so many years now. And when I started, I just cut out um, dairy and like meat was the main thing. Like I still ate fish a little bit. And now as I've like learned more and just seen results of feeling better and recovering quicker, I've cut out, like, it's been five years now that I haven't, like, I don't cook any, I won't cook fish or have dairy or cook meat, obviously, if I'm making my own food here at home. Yeah. Now, if someone else makes something and I'm out or at someone's house and, you know, they bake something with dairy or things like that, like, I'm lenient, Yeah. obviously, because I think you have to have balance, too. Mm. But I definitely won't eat meat. Isn't like, it? I've completely... Yeah, and isn't it... It won't make me feel good, I think, if I tried to eat it again. Yeah, and, and so let's let's talk about just um, the adversity you kind of have to go through. Like you said, you've been plant-based for seven years, like, you know, on the grit. But it's don't you think it's kind of hard when it comes to anything, even just your diet, to stick to your guns? Because there's so many people that are constantly trying to, you know, like, I don't know, like, just uh, judge you or impact you. Did you ever... You know, do you have any stories about that that you have to go on, have gone through with, with just that kind of behavior? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely hard whenever you're doing something off the beaten path, I guess, or something different than what the whole group is doing. I don't have, I don't know, I'm trying to think. Um, my time with the national team actually is interesting, working with nutritionists there and things. Not that they were ever, no one was negative towards it, but people definitely questioned mm-hmm. it and weren't as up to speed, I would say, on like people becoming vegan and the plant-based like option for athletes and stuff. Um, I'm sure they're further along now, but that was always like something they always wanted to look at my diet. They wanted, they suggested like eating eggs and all these things that I didn't want to eat. Um, so people, I mean, I guess it's just when you're not educated on a topic, it's harder then. And I feel like those are the people who make comments or say things or quick yeah. to judge, I guess. No, that's, a, that's a really good point. So that's, that had to be like hugely difficult um, to have national kind of team pressure. So, you know, kudos to you. I, and I think that's, you know, to be quite frank, I think that's why as an athlete and as the kind of coach I am, who's, who's very into empowering their athletes, I saw that immediately in you that you were smart and you're articulate and, you know, you were a leader. So I just want to compliment you on the air in front of everyone that's listening that uh, you get it. You're a great kid. Thank you. I appreciate it. Nah, you're welcome. So, so let's, um, let's just quickly start 
when you were a kid growing up, did you play with boys or how did you get started? Yeah, my younger brother, who's only a, like a year younger than me, he started playing hockey. And then I have uh, cousins who played hockey that are older than me. So I think just watching them like made me want to play. And yeah, I did start playing with the boys because there was no girls team in my area. And, and you're from Michigan. Correct. Yeah. And, and so then you, you transitioned to girls hockey. What, how old yeah, are you? My, my dad actually started the first girls team that I played on. Awesome. Which one? So what was the name of it? Kensington Valley rebels, just a local, like, um, Oh, the rink's like 10 minutes from my house. Cool. And then, so. and then from there you, did you play for who, one of those Michigan teams, Bell Tire, Little Caesars? Yeah. So I played for Honey Baked and then Little Caesars. And throughout that time, it was like, it's weird in Michigan. The, it was the same coaches, but we just switched organizations. So I was with the same group of girls moving forward for the most part. All right. And then, and then in college, you, uh, you started at Syracuse and then transferred to Quinnipiac? Yes, correct. And, and can you talk a little bit about, you know, sometimes college kids are going to be listening to this and um, that's a hard thing to do. You know, um, can you talk about a little bit of the whole transfer process and, you know, how you felt doing it? Yeah, at the time, that was the one of the biggest decisions I've made and one of the hardest things. I mean, when you go into college, like for me, I was 17 years old. Um, I was younger for my age group. And I mean, at that time, you're still a kid, you're not really an adult, and you're making decisions that you feel like is gonna change the change the rest of your life, right? So um, deciding to transfer is something I thought about after my freshman year and things that actually my head coach there had mentioned just some different comments. And um, that I thought like, maybe this isn't the right place for me and where I wanted to go with my hockey career and things. Um, and it was a, it was definitely a hard process just because, um, I don't know, different coaches contacted me, my coaches at the school, teammates, you felt like you didn't want to let people down, but at the end of the day, you had to do what was right for you and what made you happy, right? And then yeah. even the athletic directors at the school I was at made it really tough, and then they wanted to not let me transfer if I was transferring to somebody within that was on their schedule for the next season. So there's a lot of moving parts and things that were intimidating for me um, and things that I sort of had to grow up quickly to do and make these decisions because you like, I didn't have my parents there to do it. Right. So. Yeah, that's, that's immensely hard. And I don't think the listeners, you know, that, that haven't gone through it really understand it um, because you've got coaches who are pretty much paid to win. You're paid to play essentially as a scholarship athlete. If you transfer yep. to a, uh, a school where they lose a game and they don't make nationals, they're all ticked off. But at the end of the day, hockey doesn't really matter in life because you can't go make a living out of it, right? I mean, I, I have to say that now that I'm on the other side of the fence here advocating for pro sports, but think about it. Like we as coaches, especially on the women's side, now this is not men's hockey. It's not basketball. You know, it's not football. Yep. We have these women who are being manipulated by coaches, right? For their own selfish needs or school's needs. And I believe, and now that I'm older and wiser, that we need to have a broader based perspective for these athletes to be like, hey, you don't want to be here 
It's not good for you. It's addition by subtraction anyways. Transfer where you want to transfer. I'm I'm on the other side because at the time when I was a coach, I was like, you know, you're so self-absorbed that, you know, you definitely aren't aren't thinking clearly. And I'll be and last thing I'm going to say is the administration makes you like that because they should not put pressure, so much pressure on kids and coaches to win when at the end of the day, it doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of life. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. I agree. And I mean, even in my experience, I wouldn't say like, I, I honestly loved Syracuse and the school and there was different reasons that I want to transfer. And even the coaching staff, I mean, they, they were great. And I think it was more of just like personal or emotional that they, like you said, just because of maybe pressure from out other sources coming on down on them and wanting to win that, you know, at times they would get angry or upset of like why I didn't want to stay there and things like that. Um, but I do think at the end of the day, like you're going to get the most out of somebody if they want to be in that, that university or wherever it is playing. And, you know, like you said, you can't make a living playing hockey right now. So there's so many other aspects you have to look at. And sometimes as a student athlete, you don't know until you're actually in it and at that school. Hundred percent, and you know, and then think about think about the kids now, shy. Like I think when you were being recruited, you didn't have to commit till you were what sophomore, junior. Oh yeah, and I don't even I re yeah. I committed late because I commute I committed I want to say going into my senior year after Worlds, like after my U eighteen. Yeah. So yeah, I was late, and now it's like so much younger <laughs> that people are committing to where now they're decommitting. Right. They're babies. Like they're literally like, I think up until last year, it was like they were calling eighth graders. So, you know, it's yes. something, something's got to give. And they, they actually did change the recruiting rules. Now I think they can take official, they can't take official visits till September 1st of their junior year. And they can't talk until June 15th or the end of their sophomore year. So I think they've relaxed them a little bit, but still, I mean, you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, you're 17 and you're making decisions for the rest of your life. So I think it's important that kids out there, A, understand that it's not life and death. B, you can change your mind. And C, there is life after hockey. Uh, thoughts on those things? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a lot more. And that's a hard decision to make when you're that age, right? I think it's more your parents making it than you. Right. So, so talk a little bit about, but then you're the one that has to go to the school. Yeah, no, I know exactly. And, you know, so, so oh, can you expand on that with the parents and what, you know, what advice you would give to them now? Yeah. I mean, it's tough actually, because I feel like the kids are so young that they're being recruited. Parents just don't know like the process or they're, they learn from whoever their coaches are. Right. So whatever information they're hearing they're I think they're, trying to look out for the best for their kid. But then it's also hard when you have coaches coming at you and um, trying to get your kid to commit, depending on their level of play and how good they are, right? Because some of these schools want to lock on before other schools do. So I feel like, I don't know, it's kind of tough because with the recruiting process now, like all schools are recruiting at such a young age because they have to, because if they don't, then all the other schools are a step in front of them, right? So- right. I don't know. I would say make sure you look at your options and, um, you know, know what or have some ideas of what career path or things that interest you outside of hockey also in case 
something does happen that that's a school you still want to go to. Right. And then, and then you've got the whole other um, problem with the kids where they don't really know where they fit in. And, you know, half of them think they're going D1 and, you know, they're going D4, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Oh yeah, exactly. And I think a big thing is just like to know that go, go to where you're wanting if that makes sense. thousand percent. So. It's funny. I say D4 because I was out <laughs> on Long Island this past weekend talking <laughs> to kids and I'm like, own the D4. And they're like, there's D4. I'm like, well, it's club <laughs> hockey, but let's make a new category. Let's go D4. You know, and they're like, okay, we're D4. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's um, a good way to put it. So, uh, so you went after you graduated. Well, actually before you graduated, you won the, you won world championship, eh? How was that? Good. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, my junior year is when I got back in the national program or with the national team. Um, And yeah, it was an awesome experience, especially, I mean, for us, that's like the only thing we have in women's hockey, right? That's the top team you want to make because there is no professional team. And when I was in college, when I graduated, luckily enough, the NWHL started up and that was the first paid league, I guess or players where we got paid for a year, but, um, it kind of just fell into place. But other than that, yeah, that's kind of what you strive for when you're playing in college. Yeah. Well, it was good that you got to win a championship because we, we fell short that last game in China, but you know, it was, it was fun. So, Oh yeah, that was an awesome experience. (laughs) Well, you got paid, you got paid for that at least. So, you know, we made, we made history there, baby. Oh yeah. I would do that over again. Um, okay. So, uh, time for Ask the Athlete. Hey, I'm Digit Murphy. Welcome to The Grit Live. And this is the portion of our show that I'm really proud of. It's the Ask the Athlete part of the show. I'm here with Ella Weatherford. She's 11 years old and she's from the Tampa Bay area, Pasco County. Uh, Ella, uh, can you tell us a little bit about how old you are and what school you go to and a little bit about yourself? Um, I'm 11 and I go to Cambridge Christian. It's going to be my first year. I start Monday and I live in Wesley Chapel. Awesome. Awesome. And you're 11. Yes. Okay. So I think you know what I'm going to ask you, but just for our listeners out there, this is the portion of the show where we have young girls ask athletes a little bit about what they're interested in. So what's your question to the next athlete that I interview? Um, was hockey always your favorite sport? And if not, what, it, what was it? So the question to the athlete is, was hockey your favorite sport? And if not, what was it? Awesome. Why do you want to know that? Well, really, people have a lot of practice and like, let, let's say hockey. And I just like, they can either get really good in two years or like, 10 years like so if they started on one sport how did they change to get to the next yeah they could have got to a different sport right they could have loved hockey or they could have started out with figure skating and then went to hockey yeah all right good great job ella give me five all right that's ask the athlete with ella weatherford let's see what our athlete says yeah so for me i actually started off uh playing soccer gymnastics dance um and i didn't play Hockey till I was a little bit older, but I it has always been my favorite sport. Um, even when I started playing hockey, I also played other sports. I did swimming and lacrosse. Um, I think it's good to play a bunch of different sports and uh, stay busy with it and just become a well-rounded athlete. Um, so 
if you haven't started yet, you could start and um, definitely become good at it. You didn't have to start when you were two years old. Um, so yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, you see, I, I remember asking a couple of kids when they started in, on the interviews and they're like, well, I started late. I think it was uh, one of the Russians that I was interviewing. She's like, I started late. I started at seven. And I'm like, okay, that's late. You know? Like, okay. <laughs> oh, that's uh, funny. Yeah. So, uh, no, I, and you know, a lot of kids out there think, you know, if, if they start at like 10 or 11, it's too late. And there's so many great athletes out there. Back in the day when, um, God, I remember when Ben Smith was coaching, uh, you know, because he was the, the first guy to coach. He was saying, you know, you yeah. know Digit, the best athlete could be playing basketball right now. You know, <laughs> like, that's, you're that's right. True. You're right, Ben. You're right, Ben. You stop. But anyway, so that's, it's true. And, you know, the reason he would say that is because there were just so many good kids out there that played athletics that if you pick up hockey and you're a great athlete, you can play it. Or you, you're a hockey player and you want to switch to soccer. If you're a great athlete, you're a great athlete. All right. So, um, we're, I got, got a couple more questions before we wrap up. Um, what do you what do you think your next step is in life, and and how does uh, how have sports really going to help you transition to another stage in after sport? Yeah, um, you know, I definitely want to do something that's like we always say, bigger than ourselves, and um, help help more people, and do do something bigger, and use hockey as a platform, I guess, to reach other people and different things. And I think, uh, sports helps, I don't know, mold you and, um, has made me who I am today and, um, taught me leadership skills and how to manage people and work with people and, um, how to set goals and reach them. So I think with whatever I decide to do, whether it's with my, um, plant-based performance company or anything else, I'll definitely use, um, the skills I've learned from being on a team and playing hockey. Yeah. You know, we, we talk about that all the time and how, you know, when you're, when you're a team, uh, when you're on a team sport, you really have that team mentality and how you can roll up your sleeves and, and work together and, and get stuff done. So, you know, congratulations on all your successes. Um, you know, do you have any, uh, last, last comment, do you have any like gritty stories and anything like, I don't want to say bad ever happened to you, but anything like you've been cut from teams that you can like share with our listeners. Cause we really like to hear that grit kind of gritty behavior. Anything? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, the biggest thing that I've, I mean, I've actually been cut twice. I've played, I tried out for basketball in middle school. This is actually funny. I forgot about this, but that was the only sport that I've been cut from. And I was probably the tallest girl wow. there. Um, so yeah, that's kind of funny. And then um, uh, getting cut from the past Olympic team, that was definitely one of the hardest obstacles I've had to overcome. And when you set your sights on something for such a long time and put in so many hours and just all the time and preparation it takes for that, and then to hear that news, it's pretty tough. And when you when you're kind of when you think that's the only thing going for you. It's hard and it's eye-opening afterwards. And um, then having the opportunity to go to China really just changed my perspective and outlook on life and um, made me realize there's so much more uh, besides hockey and that I can use hockey as a platform to do more and maybe something different. I don't even know how that just warmed my heart that you said that. And I know that that was not planned. Um, 
No, seriously, <laughs> like to, to, to be able to give kids like yourself this opportunity is, is something that as a leader, as a woman that is trying to make a difference in the world, hopefully that one experience now will have ripple effect across what you're doing and then the next person that you affect. And I, I really think that the way to start change is to just start and to influence people in a positive way. And I really think that that's how people in the whole world should be thinking, especially, you know, kind of where we're at right now in, in, in the human race, with, you know, not to get political or anything, but, you know, with climate change happening and, you know, crazy stuff happening around the world. I think sometimes people should just influence their whole little world and their own little world in a positive way. And, uh, we can make a big difference. So, um, that's kind of my comments, my, on that. Um, so where can people find you if they want to find you? I know that you're on Twitter. I think you're shy dark. That's a great, great, uh, great handle. Shy dark 27. Is that it? And then. Yep. Same on Instagram. And then even my plant-based performance is on Instagram right now. So is it at shy dark or on Instagram or at shy dark 27? Uh, Instagram is just at shy dark. Okay, cool. And then uh, plant-based performance is on your shy dark. Yep. You can find it on there. Perfect. Um, and then uh, we're actually on at the grit live on both Insta and Twitter. So if you want to find us there, so shy, any final uh, comments, any last minute shots you want to give your old coach? <laughs> no, I just, I appreciate everything you're you've done for me and continue to do. And thanks for having me on here. All right. Well, you're the best. This is Digit Murphy for shy dark Angelo on episode of the grit. Listen to us. See you next time. Thank <laughs> you.